This is the greatest weekend of football season. I don't think anything holds a candle to NFL divisional playoff round because you get two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. The eight best teams carve out that time and make sure your body clock is ready to stay up for some primetime games if you have young children because these are going to be great. Jim, how in the hell are you? Tyler, what's happening? This I agree with you on these weekends. Last weekend for me, I'm all about that wild card weekend. Just the action, the um, gambling action is pretty good. Now we have a little bit, you know, a couple less games. But, man, we are loaded with quarterback talent. Everything we talk about on this podcast nonstop is quarterbacks pretty much. And this is it. This is this is why you want to see who's gonna you know who's gonna go who's gonna get talked about when everybody everybody in the country has a podcast and their top ten quarterbacks. We know that for a fact. Well, we don't. We're not gonna have any mock drafts. Did you see that Daniel Jeremiah just dropped one today? Yes, and and I actually got upset about it. And that's yeah. That's I, I would hope if you weren't, I'm I'm giving you the boot from go long. No, I'm upset <laughs> that he had a quarterback that Drake made from North Carolina ahead of the LSU quarterback. But that's for another podcast. You clicked. To get into that. I like the LSU guy better. Uh, but anyway, that's that's just for me, just whatever. Um, back to this weekend, though. This is it. I can't wait. Um, you know, Seneca Creek Casino is down the road. Good day to get down there. As you know, you are familiar with cashing tickets right now, winning tickets, uh, Mr. Packer. So... Hopefully we can hit some winners this weekend and uh, have a good time watching football. I just I, I have to give uh, one of our readers and listeners a, a head nod. Uh, he can be critical at times, which I which I appreciate. You know, we don't want everybody just blowing smoke up our ass on here. But Alan Zollinger, he told me just now on X when I was kind of poking fun at uh, Dan- Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft. I think I threw that meme that oh shit, here we go again meme. The guy on the video game screen, um, he said, "If uh, he said if the Bills win the Super Bowl and and Sean McDermott, you know, pulls this off, he said that I need to as as a penance of some some sort do a mock draft every week for the rest of time, basically." And I I said that that sounds a lot worse than you know a combination of lighting yourself on fire and tables. But yeah, there, there, there will not be that high volume of a mock drafts, regardless of anything that could potentially happen. <laughs> Thinking anybody that thinks that your article had anything to do with anything on the football field probably thinks when they go to the casino, it's the dealer's fault when they lose. They probably, when they place a bet, think the team messed up. It wasn't their fault for placing the bet. Just, I, I can't even believe, Tyler, that that even comes up about that article with the Bills and you and McDermott and listen for your sake, just root for the bills because I will treat you and Gina to dinner of your choice. If the bills win the Super Bowl. let's just leave it at that. Hey, I don't root for teams. I don't that's, and that, I think that a lot of readers and listeners, it's, I don't want to insult our listeners because we have a lot of smart people who listen and they, and by and large, I think everybody gets it. But if you're objective and you're in the media, you don't root for a team. You just don't like it. It, it just kind of bears repeat. I mean, you root for a good story. That's just how it, how it works. And at some point through the, 
through these pandering times, you know, I, I'm going to really sound like an old, bald, bearded man here, but it is kind of wild to see a lot of folks locally and beyond. Um, I guess it's more so like on the TV side or those who kind of blur the fan slash media realm. A lot of pandering, right? I, I can see why people would get it twisted when you're following certain people who quote unquote cover some teams and, you know, you're getting just the memes and the video remixes and it's just there's not a lot of, of objective journalism out there so we will be undeterred and report and talk to as many people as we possibly can whether it's the bills whether it's anything in the nfl so yeah there's a difference it's between a, a being a reporter boxed. yeah being a reporter like you said you don't root for a team You've talked about every team on Go Long. Anybody that follows Go Long, you hit every team in multiple angles. Um, your job is a reporter. Right, and, and we don't have to rehash everything. It was uh, – it, it is an interesting, interesting team at quite a time. I mean, this right. is a defining game for the Buffalo Bills. This this is it. This is This is the game. Give the players credit. Give the coaches credit. Since they were six and six, they earned this home playoff game. We could poke fun at, you know, Easton Stick and Bailey Zappi and escaping by the, the skinnier teeth in those games, but they won those games. They blew out the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, Kadarius Tony lined up offsides. That was a near nickname game right there with the Philly Neal in 13 seconds and the Hale Murray fourth and 18, whatever you want to call any of these games, but I'll be the first person. I wrote it at the time, give the defense credit because they still had to get a stop there. You still had the chiefs around midfield threatening. You still had to get a stop and they got that stop. You draw the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. It's not necessarily pretty. It's a one score game against Mason Rudolph. You won the game. So, but it, it's all, coming down to this now for the Buffalo Bills you get the Chiefs in your house Josh Allen is playing as as well as Josh Allen has played in a long time I mean these individual efforts the third and 13 run against Miami the touchdown run against the Steelers he is fully capable as we wrote in part three of the McDermott problem of throwing this damn team on his back and taking them as far as he pleases I mean he is an unbelievable talent. And that may be all Buffalo needs. The defense is patching it together. Not always perfect, but they're winning games. But now this is a test for both parties involved, Jim. And I cannot wait to break down this game in its entirety. I really wanted to give Bill's Chiefs um, room to breathe here on the podcast. Because I, I think the Chiefs offense is, is probably a little better than perception would indicate. I, I think it's not the juggernaut of Chiefs offense's past. But, I mean, you guys heard it from Joshua Briscoe, who covers the team out there. You still have a pretty dang good nucleus with Isaiah Pacheco, who didn't play in the first Bills game. Rasheed Rice, who is better than he was then. I mean, he has ascended as this team's best wide receiver. And Travis Kelsey who isn't the Travis Kelsey of years past, but is still Travis Kelsey. And you don't have Matt Milano out there to cover him. 
see what they do there. We can, we can get into the, the nitty gritty of the matchups if you want. I, I just feel like it's, it's going to be a test for the bills defense, just like the Josh Allen is quite a test against Steve Spagnuolo, who does such a great job of game planning for these kind of matchups. So Jim, I wasn't sure if you were frozen on me or if you were focusing, you're good. Okay. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Josh Allen versus Steve Spagnuolo and a Chiefs defense that's as, as good as it's been under Andy Reid? Start with Bills reworked, patched up defense and whatever they're dealing with injury wise. So I was I was getting my stats ready, Tyler, for the That's what you were doing. You weren't frozen. You know, you're load you're loading up the stats. Loading up. Loading up. I don't do X and O. You really talk thought you were anymore. frozen there. That's funny. No, I don't do X and O talk. I had to get my um because I, I wanted to touch on your point that you brought up right there about the Chiefs offense. It is still fine. I don't and what I'm gonna talk about, we'll talk about the Chiefs offense first and why I think the Bills are gonna, you know, this is where I think the Bills can win this game. But it's not because I think the Chiefs offense is not good or not special like it's had been in the past. It's always going to be special and threatening with Mahomes. But the red zone scoring offense this year is ranked 19th in the NFL. Talking about touchdowns in the red zone. They were second last year. That's a major gap. That's what I'm talking about. Then you look at their yards per pass. It's, the, it's, it's 16th compared to second or third in the pass. They've regressed just with those two stats that I, that I pay attention to that distinguish teams that score touchdowns, get the ball down the field. That's the Chiefs offense we're used to watching. That's not their offense anymore. It doesn't mean it's not legit. You still, it's still the Chiefs. It's still Mahomes. But, Tyler, my point of this whole game is basically how we talked about, how I, we talked about on our show that I thought that the, the Dolphins – that was the game they should have beat Buffalo the last game of the season in Miami. That was the Dolphins game to win. Things lined up. The, the Bills offense wasn't just flowing. It lined up for the Dolphins there to get their chance. They held the Bills offense in check, and they didn't take advantage of it. This game to me, of all this rivalry talk we've had with the Bills Chiefs, this game is set up for the Bills to win. This is your game to win. On the points I just talked about, the Chiefs offense isn't what it was. Now let's go to the Bills defense, and you touched on it. It's ridiculous right now what Coach McDermott, Sean McDermott's done, and I'm always going to give my, my you know, he is a, I'll say it, he's a friend of mine, but he's also a, a coach that Al Holcomb, who he brought in this year, I promise you that helps. Sean taking over the calling duties needs somebody he trusts. Al Holcomb was in Carolina as, as Sean's linebacker coach when Sean was a line, was a D.C. Thought he was going to bring Holcomb with him as the D.C., but Sean picked Leslie Frazier over Al Holcomb, um, basically pro probably based on experience, needed, you know, wanted a guy that was in the head coach role before on the staff. So, okay, fair enough. But I feel like I feel like that's the stuff people need to understand, that Sean is calculated with his staff. And when he brings people in, he knows he needs somebody that he, you know, can trust and knows how to call games with him. I just think the whole mix right now to all those injuries you talked about, the Bills, they are banged up. Don't care. I don't care at all. For some reason, I feel like what you pay Sean McDermott and what you pay Josh Allen for right now, this is their time. Sean's got the defense right, locked and loaded. 
Josh Allen's got that offense locked and loaded. Get through your little punter injury on special teams. <laughs> let's hope let's hope that doesn't come into play, but it might. But anyway, point being, I think this is the time. The Chiefs aren't as explosive. You're at home. Things are lined up. Get the win, Bills. All right, there it is. Ty. It's yep. one of those games that, that there's there's no stratosphere of hyperbole that that's too extreme. I mean, there really isn't because go, go back to 13 seconds. Go back to that moment. That was the Bills team too. That's when it was lined up. And you've got Josh Allen, Brian Dable, Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis has that outrageous game against the Chiefs. That offense was playing that month of football for that offense, probably the best in team history. I'd put it, I went back and I looked at the Bills Super Bowl runs. Obviously, done with the K gun and it, it was special. But in terms of like that time of year, a nucleus healthy together, I mean, the Patriots wildcard game was, was, was the perfect game. They scored a touchdown every possession. The fourth quarter uh, of the Chiefs game was was legendary. And yeah, to this point, that is Sean McDermott's legacy. It's 13 seconds left. And you call for the touchback. When your coordinator wanted the squib. When 10 of the 11 thought it was a squib. Tyler Bassier's touchback and boots it. And as we wrote in part two, you seize the play calling duties from Leslie Frazier. At best, you've got the, the Kodak moments before each of those plays. And you've got the timeout. And you're lining everybody up. And you've got one safety 31 yards off the ball. The other safety 26 is the second play. You've got Levi Wallace. He told me this when I did a story on Levi two years ago down in Pittsburgh at, at Primati Brothers, oddly enough, that Took that odd shot at Buffalo. I, I want to talk about whiteout conditions and snow later too. But uh, he said he was instructed to play with outside leverage versus Travis Kelsey. Levi Wallace, undrafted dude, he's not going rogue. He's doing what he's told to do. So Travis Kelsey gets the free release, gets him in the field goal range. Said one coach, this is from part two of the McDermott problem, quote, imagine not being the play caller all year long and then at a critical moment, hey, let me take the wheel. One defensive starter on that team. Quote, when shit hits the fan, I've seen him take over. One Bills front office member. Quote, that's why the big game hasn't been won there. In big games, he definitely gets tight. You get into overtime. Andy Reid just kind of takes him to school. Eight plays, 75 yards right down the field. And inside the locker room, multiple players told me this. You've got Stefan Diggs yelling every earmuffs kids every fucking time every single fucking time that was the team that could have won the super bowl and you know how how high i've been on the bengals and i get it the bengals win an arrowhead and won i think that the bills beat the bengals in that afc championship at home i think they beat the rams that was kind of a blast super bowl out in la so right right now to this point that's that's the legacy of the head coach. Now you've got the Chiefs in your house. You've got the opportunity to coach this game in a manner that's the exact opposite of everything you did in, in 13 seconds. You've got the team. You're right. I'm totally with you on the injuries. 
it, it seems like a, a convenient excuse lined up. I mean, yeah, they're, they've got guys now, but they're actually a little healthier than I think they were thinking they'd be when bodies were dropping against Pittsburgh. So this is it. This is it. And, uh, Hey, give them credit for earning this opportunity. The bills have earned this chance to play the chiefs at home. And now the season comes down to this. It, this is why we watch. I mean, this is why pro football is the greatest form of reality television. Uh, it's it's because that first Chiefs game, you know, Kadarius Tony. I mean, if he lines up on side, the emotions are totally different after that game. Both ways. Patrick Mahomes isn't losing his damn mind, you know, ready to fight. Uh, he looked like he was ready to, to fight the official. It looked like he was going Ron Artest, Malice in the Palace. <laughs> I mean, Malice at Arrowhead. I don't know what we'd call that. If, if Pat Mahomes is just, you know, taking haymakers at, at a ref. Instead, it's McDermott. And Brandon being in the locker room, rallying around um, the 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 turmoil of his his own words, his own speech. This is this is why we love football. Um, do I mean do am I am I uh, t- building this up too much, Jim? I mean, this is a game, one way or another, that that people will be talking about. I think. Obviously, the rest of the offseason, maybe for years. So this this is the game that, and I'll just take it back to my experience with the Saints. When we lost in the NFC Championship, we made it that year in 2006. It was kind of out of nowhere. Like, let's face it, we didn't. The Bears, right? And Soldier yeah, Field. We, we didn't know we were going to, we didn't really know we were going to make that kind of run that year. I mean, Breeze got healthy. It all worked. The dra- everything was great. We made the run. And then it was a grind to get back. And, and it's that fight and grind that once you once we you know got over the hump and won that NFC championship and then won that Super Bowl, that's what this city, that's what this team, I want I, I would you know I want everybody to experience that. And that's what this game is the springboard to Tyler. You think this game's big? This is just the springboard. This game to next week, hosting, possibly. Hosting, I should say possibly hosting, but regardless, if they're in Baltimore and they win, the city, I saw it in New Orleans when we beat Minnesota. And I'm going to write about it this week if the Bills do win. But let's just say on the way to the Senior Bowl after that weekend in New Orleans, after we wanted to go to the Super Bowl, um, Josh Lucas was in the car. Um, Some guys are still scouting in the NFL. Josh Lucas used to work for the Bears, did our pod, but there were people right. that were wondering if I was alive in the back seat after we won that game that from that weekend. I heard them talking about me. I couldn't talk. I wasn't able to really talk. I just had I was just had my eyes shut. And but point being, I, I don't know how anybody's going to work. I don't think anything's going to get done for a couple of weeks if the Bills win this game. I, I, I've seen it and lived it. And it's if you're a football fan or you work in the NFL or in the media covering it. It's really what you're in the business for. So that's how point of the story. No, you're not making this game bigger than it is. It's the springboard to what this city hasn't even seen in, you know, since their, their run back in the, whenever that was now nineties. Right. This is, um, a, a, a turning point of a game. I don't know what the term is. Uh, either this is a team that's been 
banging on that door for now seven years, and now they're going to blast through it. You know, they've been grinding. They've been working. Like, you just kind of put – you're working toward this game. You are improving in ways that maybe aren't uh, tangible, visible, and the psychology of the team is is improving. And you, and you bust that door down. And then you get to the AFC Championship game. And then you win that game. And then you get to – like, we have seen teams kind of – work through that progression you beat the chiefs that's kind of where things are headed you lose this game and now it looks like a team as several sources kind of laid out um, it looks like a team that has maxed out that that's why i was not stunned because jerry jones he he doesn't he is patient like he, he and he does kind of hire not the splashy name like like you think he would, uh, but I, I'm still surprised that they're retaining Mike McCarthy. I mean, that's a Cowboys team. I don't see a path for improvement on that team. I mean, Dak Prescott's going to get more money now. Uh, C.D. Lamb is going to get more money. You know, Jerry Jones going to be sticking his nose into those draft meetings still. Uh, God, this was the year for the Cowboys. I mean, the, the Eagles just completely implode. Yeah, you've... I don't, the Niners are another conversation. Like if you got to the NFC championship game and then you lose to the Niners, like in the fourth quarter, like, yeah, I, I see running it back. And you can make that argument that the Cowboys are in that f- first category, that they are grinding toward that Super Bowl moment, but you lost to the Packers at home, a seven seed, the first seven seed to ever win in the playoffs. And you got blown out. You got embarrassed. Uh, that's I mean, Mike McCarthy's press conference was just absolute nonsense. It was uh it was Billy Madison, the puppy who lost his way. I mean, that's really what it was. Did you did you catch it? Did you hear what Mike said? That it's, <laughs> I know this is, I'm paraphrasing. They're a championship program, but they're not a world championship program. Every time I hear world championship, I'm like, there's somebody in some country that's just pissed off, right? World. Get out of here with this world talk. So yeah, the Cowboys are are the hamster on the wheel. They they won't they won't win the Super Bowl next year. They're just gonna keep making the same mistakes they always do. Uh, this is a pivot point for the Bills now against the Chiefs. I, I think that whatever happens Sunday night, the conversation obviously kind of goes one direction or the other, and it swings hard one direction or the other uh, in the court of public opinion. So if they lose this game. We'll get to McCarthy after this. But if they lose this game, the Bills lose, I think it's not the end of the world, but I think it's the end of this kind of, this core roster that we've known here the last couple years. I think you'll see some tweaks. That's what's going to happen to me if they lose this game in Kansas City. I I haven't studied it enough and no contracts enough to really dive into that. But to your point, you have to make some type of change at that, you know, if you're not winning this game something like tweets everything's fine you got the quarterback so it's not that big of a you know you're right back in the mix next year your goal is the super bowl it's just it's long it's it's that's why you can't waste 13 seconds that's why you can't waste a home game this week a home playoff game you can't waste these opportunities every year the window shuts so yes back to that point um dallas or do you want to stay on the bills no, real, I want to stay on this because, yeah. I mean, you with those Saints, I know you would have been with the Bills by then. 
but they're, they're a team that I really thought was kind of banging on that door. Like that second kind of iteration, Drew Brees in the latter part of his career when yeah. you've got um, the Minneapolis Miracle. Yeah, I was just going to say it was the Diggs play that did that. that, that Nikel Roby Coleman, right? Yeah. The the phantom yeah. non-call, not phantom call, the non-call. And, you know, yes. you lose to the Bucks at home yeah. in the playoffs. Like, eventually you run out of those opportunities. Uh, I mean, I mean, Josh Allen is a, is a lot younger than Breeze was that, but just in terms of having a contending team, um, that Super Bowl window can close, it can reopen, but it like, even in the Saints case, it, it took a while for it to reopen in between. You just don't know what's going to happen. So I'm really glad you brought up that point. I mean, right now it's set up beautifully for the bills and they, and they earned it. But just before you kind of move on to McCarthy and the Cowboys, anything else with this game, so we got a, a great Chiefs perspective from from Joshua Briscoe, like I mentioned. But if you're the Chiefs, like in in this moment, what are you trying to do offensively? If you're Andy Reid, I mean, he is the greatest coach of all time, according to you. This time last year, you made that point before anybody else was. If Bye. he's the greatest coach of all time at Highmark Stadium, given the state of the Chiefs and Mahomes and the red zone issues and what 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 are you doing? Like, what's the plan? I think Andy Reid's plan is always going to be <laughs> attack, attack through the air. He's going to run the ball because he knows they got a hot running back right now. They and they are they're a good run. And Andy Reid likes to run the ball, but anybody that's followed Andy Reid's career, going back to when I worked in Philly, um. It's just part of his offense. He loves throwing the football. It's just, it's what he does. So I think the Bills still have to, you can't get gashed. And like I talked about earlier, I just don't think that you can give up the big play if you're Buffalo. That would be a sign to me that things aren't good for Buffalo. If they're giving up big plays early, that's because that's not what the Chiefs have done. And that would be where I would be concerned. And then we didn't really touch on this, but man, the Bills offense is in for work. Like, this is work. This defense is – we you, you spoke about it, but Chris Jones, I've talked about that. I For my money, he's better than Aaron Donald, but that's for another show or a debate. That doesn't matter. They're both that good, the fact that you can debate it. So you have a dominant defensive tackle, and the Bills offensive line, we touched on that last week. They've just been outstanding. I mean, Aaron Cromer, we talked about, does a great job, and the, the line – is about to get tested because they have pass rushers. They got Chris Jones, who dominates secondary as good as it gets. Well coached again. They know what they're doing. Discipline. It's a grind out football game. This isn't going to be an easy one. When we sit there and say this, when I say that this is the Bills game to win, it's however you can win it. Yeah. Because I'm not sitting there saying it's going to be fireworks. This defense, these defenses are both too good. Watch. <laughs> and in our predict, well, in our predictions, I mean, you identified this game perfectly. It's a high level. It's coaching. Every it's- first down will be will be earned. You've got Reed versus McDermott. I'm sure they know each other, and they're trying to get inside of each other's heads. Dave and stay Tobe. a step ahead. Dave Tobe is the special teams uh, coordinator for Kansas City. He's been Andy Reid's right hand man forever. He was with us in Philly way back. Don't think for a second Sean doesn't want to outdo him on special teams as well. Mm-hmm. Sean takes pride in special teams just like John Harbaugh does. 
because that's where they come from. And that's leading to my Andy Reid better than um, Bill Belichick. How about that coaching tree for Andy Reid? Sean McDermott, Ron Rivera, who, say what you want, has had pretty good success. Harbaugh. Yeah. And we laugh about, we laugh about Matt Patricia. We laugh about Joe. We laugh about those guys. Yeah. We're guys that learned under Andy Reid. Man, that's, that speaks for itself to me. Yeah, it's uh, a, oh Spagnola. Co- he's Spagnola. Spagnola. I mean, yeah, it's not like he's a flop. He was a flop maybe as a head man for a little bit, but he did have some success. And as a coordinator, Spagnola's got rings. Yeah. Peterson, you know the Jags, a Super Bowl prediction at, at some sites. Some would say. Um, what what are they doing though? Like offense okay let me pose it to you this way if you're if you're the bills what do you expect them to do coverage wise i know we're kind of getting in the weeds but just watching that steelers game when the bills secondary is kind of at its best you almost have some zone some playmakers now with rasul douglas operating that zone but now douglas is with with uh dane jackson at corner because benford's out um, you know, Poyer and Hyde, what you're getting down in and down out, but Poyer's a little a little older. I would think the Chiefs are going to try to exploit that and at some point and send somebody deep. But what do you think that the Andy Reid and the Chiefs are, are looking at? All right, so he wants to put the ball in the air. He wants to stress stress you vertically. Are, are you going to see DBs and, and zones trying to muck it up back there, take away the big play? I mean, that's kind of McDermott's thing, right? Keep everything in front of you. We'll give you the the seven and eight yard gains down the field. And then we'll clamp down in the red zone because we know we're good in the red zone and you're not good in the red zone. That's what I would expect them to kind of philosophically think into this game. Um, But that's also nothing abnormal. I think that that's kind of how they play the chiefs in the past too. I think this for the bills offense that, and I Spagnola was our coordinator in new Orleans for one year. uh, When I was with the saints. Oh, historically terrible year, right? There's where I'm going with this. So, and it was, it, I'm not talking about his, that was, it was just, there was a lot going on. It was also the year Sean Payton was suspended and off season pot. We can do that one. Get Nick Underhill and I, I'll tell some stories. But um, Spags's defense, it's real simple. When they blitz, because he's coming, you better get rid of it and you better not miss. And Josh Allen missed digs you can't miss those this week that's that to me is because you know you're going to get your shots spagnola's defense are going to give up plays because he's come he's going to blitz you're going to get some man and you're going to get some deep plays that's i've seen it he he makes his money on getting home on pressure like everybody like everybody talk about not missing too legerius sneed in these corners when they blitz isaiah mcduffie He's going to blitz too. You can't miss Josh Allen like Pat Peterson did last week. Like you better tackle or at least slow down Josh Allen and then give somebody else time to join the party uh, because that's when Josh Allen has his best plays too. He shrugs you off and scrambles and guns it downfield. Brett Favre style. There's just so many elements, so many angles. You really can't build up this game enough. There's a reason it's 
the showcase game. Unfortunately, we don't get showcase announcers. We, we're we're punished once more with Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Lord, Tony Romo has been atrocious this year. And I liked Tony Romo a lot. Like everybody early, he was well-researched. He's predicting plays. He was great. Uh, boy, he just, he just gotten lazy. This past Steelers game, ugh. Didn't even know like Jalen Warren was like a good player and had complimented Najee Harris all season. The the quote unquote air quotes touching MLK tribute that was that was bizarre. Uh, he and Jim Jim Nance even said he was like out of his seat, excited when he thought the Bills picked it off. Like yeah, there's some great announcing objectivity there, Tony. He's I'm with Colin Cowherd. I think when Tony's talking about golfing all the time, like literally all the time, probably should be using some of that time to do a little research. Uh, yeah, he's checked out. Like it's, he's, he's a cornball. Like he's corny. He's not funny. It's not the act is the act isn't it's yeah, I agree. I agree with that. The whole take it a little more seriously. Cause there is some really good announcers. Now I do wonder if Romo's jumping around, if he had some money on the game, maybe he did. That's usually a sign to me of a gambler. Um, anyway, does Romo doing commercials for DraftKings FanDuel? Man. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else on this matchup for Nope. I'm good, Tyler. This is the one. I mean, this is the one everybody's we've been waiting for all year. Fast forward the regular season, blah, blah, blah. This is it. How about this? Just to cap it off. Give me the one player that we're not talking about that nobody's talking about that has a significant impact in the outcome of this game. Stefan Diggs. It's enough. It's time. Kind of an underrated selection there. Yeah. It is. I almost feel like that's not a good, maybe that's a boring selection because we know how great he is, but it's time. I'm a believer in the big boys play and the big, you know, best players show up in the best games. So I'm going digs. I like it. How are going to need digs and full. All right, I'll go to the other team in this one. How about this is going to, Go one way or the other, Marquez Valdez Gandling. Yeah. The the embattled, struggling embattled is MVS. Uh, he's had some pretty rough moments this 2023 season. I can just see a scenario where I mean, he's he's got and Andy Reid knows, like you just said, he wants to throw the ball, he wants to take shots. Like you will get a shot with MVS. That's the one player that. I'm sure the Bills aren't worried about. Like, they're not going into this game. Oh, MVS, he might hurt. I mean, they, they're they worried about the players we mentioned. Kelsey, Pacheco, Rice. You know, we'll see if Tony's a, uh, a game day inactive again. I, But just like, to, I, I think that this game, I mean, you're going to have an opportunity to throw deep to the biggest, fastest receiver between the two teams, MVS. Does he make the play? Or does he not make the play? Could come down to that. Could come down to that right there. Okay. Yeah, let's just let's touch on those Cowboys before we sign off because it's it's just oh my god, 
It's sad. You know, I reached out to a source that worked in the Cowboys front office um, for a number of years. That was a source on the Jerry's World series that I had a couple of years ago. And let me just look it up exactly. He just kind of summed it up perfectly. He goes, uh, it's a shame what is happening in Dallas. Sad. That's it. A shame. Same old. No coincidence. You go now 28 years without even making the NFC Championship game as the richest franchise in sports in the world, by the way, not just America. I think distilled down to to the core of the problem, Jim, um, and, and you, you've hit on this, you know, the, what's important, you know, ownership, quarterback. But th- th- this is the ex- extreme version of that. The ownership in this case, you know, I, as emotional as Jerry Jones is up there, he doesn't care about winning as much as he he seems to. He doesn't. Because if he did, he'd get the hell out of the way. You'd be making, um, you'd be making bolder hires than... Mike McCarthy, like you'd, you'd hire somebody that other teams are interested in. Right. I mean, that's, that's the thing when, when they hired Mike McCarthy was, were there other owners and other GMs going, ah, son of a, I wanted him. No, (laughs) no, he had, he had the wind of the, you know, wind in his sails because, you know, there were, it was quite the, the, the PR campaign. For him to get to get hired, I'm, you know, he. We've talked about it. I'm just saying, like, if Jerry Jones is that interested in winning, you're 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 finding somebody in personnel, empowering that person in personnel, and it's gotten better with Will McClay. Don't get me wrong, but I think Jerry's fingerprints are still over, all over this team. And then you're making more inspired hires than this. Um, and then, because that's the thing, Jim. Like, if where to you, like, where does this team get better? Like wh- where do the Cowboys get better in 2024? Like what's the path? Like, I, I just don't, if I'm a, if I'm a fan, look, statistically it was great in the regular season. I can see where might be going as best season ever. McCarthy was calling the plays that that does matter. It does matter. But is it about 12 wins in the regular season, having a quarterback in the MVP conversation, forcing turnovers on defense, or is it about falling flat on your face once you get into the playoffs repeatedly? Like they're a team that's maxed out. I agree on the maxed out part. The hard thing is 12 wins maxed out is what that's the thing. That's by bringing but that's, back. That's why ownership is oh, probably they're like, okay, I'm we're good enough to fill the stadium. Good enough to fill AT&T. I think no problems did, here. We're making you, the money. I think you hit on it and it made me smile. I always stick to the core four and ownership does not stay out of the way. GM and head coach are not synced up. It's a complete mess. And as your quarterback, he has a ceiling on him. He's good. You can win with that, but there is a ceiling. So Tyler, I don't think they have the four core. Like, that's just, that's how it looks to me. 
Like, I'm not trying to, I don't want to make it that simple without saying what players they need. Now, on that part, if you're going to keep McCarthy and Dak, and you better get that defense as whatever that was that showed up in the playoffs, that defense needs revamped somehow, some way. There needs to be a new something on that defense because the offense is going to look similar. McCarthy and Dak are coming back. So you know what you have. You have C.D. Lamb. The running game didn't didn't show up in the playoff game. They panicked. That was a complete meltdown, which is why we thought they were getting fired. But yeah. point being, you brought them back, so you know you're. If you brought them back, means you believe in them on offense for sure. Get that defense right. That's what I would see for Dallas. Yeah, I mean Dan Quinn is interviewing for head coaching jobs. Sail forward. He better hope he gets one of them right because he'll probably Sail be forward. Yep. And I know he's a he's a hell of a. I mean, obviously he is. Oh yeah. But, but I don't, you know, this is where I've kind of changed too. Like I used to think it's an overreaction to, to just let people go after a, a playoff loss. Uh, I don't think it is. These games are too important. It's, it's about the playoffs. Mm. It's about winning in January. And I'm with you, uh, I'm with you on you're this. covering Green Bay in those early 2010s and the opportunities missed, man. Yeah. That defense had a, Dom Capers, he he could make some really good points in those season-ending pressers. And, yeah, 2011 forcing all those turnovers. And 2012, you got a young pass rusher, Nick Perry. and But, like, at some point, if you're the team, you look at it and you say, we've got a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. We've got all of these weapons around him. Mike McCarthy never he, – he never did make that bold move at defensive coordinator that he probably should have made. Like, it takes difficult decisions to get your team over the hump, too. And uh, the, the difficult decision that needs to be made in Dallas. I mean, shake it, shake it up a head coach. Find somebody that you don't need to control if you're Jerry Jones. He'll, he'll never do that. He'll, he'll, he needs coaches that he can hover over. I think about if Jerry Jones, like, does he order the same thing every meal? Like, it, it, does he have any type of, I mean... It's easy. It's it's almost it's scary to fire McCarthy and move on from Dak. That's scary because you you just because you know you know you're a top five offense with those guys, and I think that's the mentality when I think about if you're trying to move on, you don't want to move on from a top five anything. Um, but I just this is where this is where the core four doesn't exist there, and this is the problem. It would take a strong personnel man to tell the owner or who, remember I always said, whoever has power, head coach or GM, but say the GM has the power. Somebody needs to say it's enough with the quarterback and here's my plan and have that plan ready to go. Like you can't just do it and then say, okay, now what are we going to do? But that's where the strong personnel man in that building, whoever that is, if it is Will McClay, somebody needs to have that, move on from Dak plan now phase ready because how much money i mean when when at what point i like Dak, but man i'm with you i just i i've seen enough of it i've seen enough of it for dallas for me I, i've seen enough you saw hey on go long i they were my i i gave them my um nfc coach of the year i thought mccarthy cowboys i thought they were gonna make the run this year and and the reason i thought that because I thought if they didn't, that would be the breakup. 
So I just felt mm -hmm. like we're going to get the best Dallas we're going to get this year. It looked like looked like it was going that way for a bit. I mean, playoff. Jordan like, Love waltzed yeah, into AT and T Stadium. Jim Mora, Jim Mora has ruined the word playoffs. I'm 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 trying to say postseason now. Um, <laughs> every time I, I I just it gets in my head and it ruins my train of thought and I want to hear it. I want to think about it. It's like oh practice with Allen Iverson. Practice and play. It is. That's how I would with practice. Like yes. if a coach if I hear is those two words discussing the merits of practice. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Jim Mora and Allen Iverson. I'm glad Jim Mora is finally like monetizing that press conference. He's on some commercial yes, yelling you're playoffs, right? right? You're a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Hey. How's the tire, Jim? I, I didn't even ask you at the Man, top. You had some well, cars. That was a long morning for me on a day that I am excited about. A lot of investing coming out today um, as far as results and bank accounts moving up or down. Maybe a listener can help, though. So, like, your PSI was down to, like, 10 or 15? Uh, it, like it was about 15, 15. 15, I saw. Just from the cold. Like, it gets that low from um, the cold? Or do I, you got I, I did something. You did something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. On one of the stops. That's just too much, Tyler. It's just too much. It's a good day. I'll, this is a good, good day. It is. I don't want to bring it down. No, it just, I've moved on from it. I, I, it almost, it almost didn't happen. It's not, you a know lie. what though, this driving in Western New York. It, so after we were on the phone, we were just kind of BSing them, bringing the kids back from uh, my parents. We were hanging out down there a little bit from you know from salamanca up to boston hamburg 219 you know I, I i love you know i just i love paying taxes and seeing it not go toward extending the 219 right it's that's always great when you pay a lot of money and it doesn't go towards something that it should it's just just insane maybe maybe old kathy Hoke will listens to the podcast Take our money and extend the 219. You'll save lives for crying out loud. But uh, try. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jim. No, I wanted to talk about real quick about what you were making me think about taking the money. This podcast, your offseason story on the Atlanta Falcons, if you remember, um, Clay Campbell, it led yeah. me to place. I placed a bet that day on Atlanta winning over seven and a half games. They had seven wins with the last two games this year. Lost both. Mm. Lost that bet by the, the, the half win that does not exist. But yeah. Um, the, the smooth so, transition, right? What whiteout conditions on the 219 to uh, the Atlanta Falcons winning seven games, not eight. And real quick, though, on them, because it made me think about we were talking about the core four, too. Um, what's going on with their interview process? How have you done? Two interviews with with Harbaugh and Belichick already. How right now in the second interview, I read that it's going to be Arthur Blank, McKay, somebody else, and GM Terry Fontenot. This is for interview two. So interview mm -hmm. one was just owner and Belichick. Now you're bringing in, where's the core four? This should be Blank, Fontenot, Belichick. That's it. I hate the Falcon structure. Hate it. There you go. Hey, I'm just surprised that Bill Belichick is entertaining a second interview 
with a team lost at sea at quarterback, right? Like, what's the plan? Like, it's it, it can't be. I'm sure inching on by. But, but if I'm Belichick, I'm going somewhere where that I'm not. I don't have to worry about quarterback. Like, I'm right? Just, it can't be. We're going to go after somebody. Um, like Kurt, we're going to try to sign Kurt Cousins, or we have a good feeling we can get Kurt Cousins. You can't go on that. And, and so much for all these young, all this young new coaching hires. And um, and now you're talking about revamping yourself with Belichick and Kirk Cousins. Oh, man. I mean, give give me Dave Canales. Give me Brian Callahan. Uh, hell, they just interviewed Joe Brady, right? Or there's a report. Give me Joe Brady. Tyler, yeah. give me Joe Brady. Give me anybody new. There's no yeah. such thing as not qualified and not ready. Because you remember what – what Alan told Russ Brandon to us when I told you about the interviews when we were going to interview Sean McVay, um, he wasn't ready. We heard that. <laughs> so uh, that always sticks out to me. Who said that? Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen informed the Buffalo Bills that Sean McVay wasn't ready. For wasn't quite interview. ready to be a head coach. Yeah. Good grief. All right, real quick though, snow, whiteout conditions for anybody out there uh, that maybe lives outside of Western New York. Like, I know the inclination is to see that that game was pushed back a day and think like the Primanti brothers <laughs> and even oh, soft, soft Buffalo, and even JJ Watt had that tweet. It makes sense at first. Like, how are you building a new stadium without a roof? If this is, it's not about that it's about that that drive in i mean if you have never driven in this absolute shit like it's not possible no way it's impossible it's it's Mm -hmm. i that would have been a a total disaster don't get me wrong there's part of me that you know sees the governor's press conference and thinks come on let let people make their own decisions that individual liberty like if you're worried about the weather no like they had to push that game back it was Maybe the, the, the craziest bands of snow I've ever experienced oh. living out here. I mean, we're in Boston, New York, and we're like, I don't know, 10 minutes from the stadium. And you go, you were in it. You're like, you're in Hamburg. It was like two, oh. three feet, and it was explosive, like right away. I White mean, out. It would have been insane for people to try to get to a football game in this. It's not even possible. And that's why we just laugh. Anybody that lives here, you just laugh when you hear people say it because they're not understanding. It has nothing to do with the dome. Yes, I still think the Bills should have a dome, but that wouldn't have mattered for that day. You couldn't – nobody could be outside driving. Um, Now should maybe people be hired to shovel out a stadium, maybe some contractors? Tyler, the best thing about where you and I live, Hamburg, Boston, we're in this famous – Whatever this snow belt. Snow belt. Yeah, we're yeah, right I've in it. I've hit my limit here. I've hit my limit. But because you wake up, you see four or five feet one day. You wake up the next day, you see another two or three feet fresh. Like it looks like, you know, I'm exaggerating. But you know what I'm saying. Like just another quick three-footer, you know, three-footer overnight while you're yeah. sleeping. Yeah. Okay. Like it's uh, it's pretty – it's overwhelming. Yeah. So, yeah, it. just kind of driving back. It wasn't even snowing that bad, but the 219 was all just slippery and, and, and sloshy. And Tyler, you and, and I like, do not like talking. We don't like talking about weather. but We but don't. We hate one, it, but it's worth talking about. It's this one bad. was on. This was national news, so we're okay on this one. Okay. 
Thank you, everyone. Hey, we didn't mention it at the top. Make sure you oh. slink on over to a fatty beer company near you, downtown Buffalo, Orchard Park, Hamburg, Rochester, Kenmore, Tonawanda, Columbus, Ohio, all over the place. I have to go in and load up on some seasonals, some stout. It's stout season. Love a good stout when you get into that 8% or higher range uh, for a primetime divisional playoff game. So thanks to our friends Nick and Chris over there. And thank you to everybody at the website for reading all of our coverage this week. Didn't even mention it. Shame on me. But Jim Onis, he uh, authored a great Sharp, insightful column, uh, reliving the decision to bypass Patrick Mahomes in Buffalo. Terry Pagula was quite a fan of Patrick Mahomes, but also, obviously, we've written about that, talked about it, but I like how you kind of drove it uh, to the present and the future, Jim, on why this game matters so much because of those two quarterbacks. It's it's fascinating. It's for subscribers. Go long td.com. Subscribe, read it. I've got my two part series up from the visit to Green Bay, having dinner with Romeo Dobbs and his girlfriend and his beautiful nine month old daughter. It was fascinating. Learned so much. I've never met anybody in pro football like Romeo Dobbs. It's, um, you know, there's everything he's been through, Jim, from uh, a father who was a fugitive at one point, wanted, spent six, seven years in prison to close friends killed in South Central LA, to uh, Terry Robisky's just insane workouts. <laughs> Terry Robisky had me in stitches a few times. He's coached in the NFL for 40 years. But, you know, Romeo Dobbs isn't just humble. I mean, he, like, refuses to even discuss his game. He just doesn't want to go there because mentally he, he is so day-to-day, and it's, it's real. I think you'll enjoy that series. Bob McGinn's all NFC North team is live. Talk to four execs at length. Just so much insight. Big picture stuff too, Jim. He gets into the Justin Fields decision, uh, the Kirk Cousins decision. Where does love go from here? Jared Goff. A ton of intel there. I've got a column up on Jordan Love and the Packers out of their win in Dallas. So, And also the podcast. Joshua Briscoe, Dave Burkett break down the Chiefs and Lions respectively. A lot of content this week, and it's all possible because we've got the best listeners on the pod, the best readers that go long. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon, Jim.